John chapter 19. John chapter number 19 here this morning. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. We're going to be in a few different places. We're going to look at a, a mother here in the Bible, mother of Jesus. John chapter number 19. I want to go to a few verses here in this chapter. Jesus is on the cross. In verse number 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Could you imagine being the mother of Jesus and watching all of this unfold? Going back in your mind and remembering when the angel came unto you and told you that you were going to have a child. This child is going to be the savior of the world. And now you find yourself as the mother of Jesus now here at the cross. And his mother's sister, Mary, and uh, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by him, and that's believed to be John, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Jesus has been beaten to a place where he is not even recognizable as a man, the Bible says. Everything that he has experienced leading up to this place, we know he's been beaten. They've, they've taken their fist and they've hit the face of Jesus. They've plucked the beard of Jesus out. They've taken him and they've taken a whip, a cat of nine tails, and on the end of those whips were, were pieces of glass, pieces of rock, sharp objects. And they would take that whip and they've beat Jesus with that whip. At this time, they've taken, they've put a crown of thorns and jammed that crown of thorns down upon his head and he began to bleed. Just the agony and the pain that Jesus was going through at this time. Have, been, have, you, ever, have you ever had a headache and you didn't want anybody to talk to you and you didn't want to think? You ever have those headaches? Every once in a while, I get one of those headaches and I say to my kids, just leave me alone. Don't even talk to me. Just them coming in and looking at me makes it hurt worse. You know, I don't want to be bothered. And in those times where suffering has a headache, I just want to be left alone. The reality is I'm not thinking about anyone or anything. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Men are good at that, right? Get a little cold, get a little sniffles, right? Someone said amen over here. <laughs> we get cold, sniffling. Man, we just want to be babied and pampered. Imagine what Jesus is going through the beating that he's gone through. They've taken him and they've taken nails and they've pierced his hands and his feet and they've now hung him on the cross and he's hanging there on that cross and he's suffocating as, he, as, he, as he's uh, as there on that cross. He's, his lungs, it's difficult to breathe so he pulls himself up so that he can breathe and just, just, just breathing would hurt there on that cross. Just the pain he's in. And as he's there on that cross, as he's there in that pain, probably enough pain that any, any human being could pass out from the pain that he was in. He's bleeding. His life is almost gone. God is turning his back on his son because for the first time in all of eternity past, Jesus Christ, the Word, the Son of God, has become sin for us. 
All of this is happening here on the cross. Physical agony, the emotional torture, the separation from his father, tortured by man, bearing the sacrifice of our sin. That is exactly what's happening here at this cross as we're reading this passage of Scripture. Jesus, he peers through his blurred vision, through the blood that's dripping now from his face and the sweat that's dripping from his forehead. And he looks out and he sees his mother. All the weight of the world is there on his shoulders. Every sin that you and I have ever committed, he is paying the sacrifice for. He's being mocked. The soldiers are there by the cross and they're, they're, they're gambling and, 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 and drawing names to see who's going to get his garments. All of this is happening at the cross. There's so much that he could be doing. There's so much that he could be thinking. But what Jesus does is he looks out and he sees his mother. His mother Mary. He looks out and there's one of the disciples, the Bible says, that disciple whom he loved is John. He takes a moment before his life is over and he sees Mary. And I'm sure Mary is there just weeping for her son. I'm sure as Mary looks upon the cross, she sees the child that she birthed. She sees what man has done to him. She sees the, just the bloody mess that he is and she's there weeping at this cross. In those few moments, I can only imagine what went through Jesus' mind concerning his mother. You know, just over 33 years previous to this, there was a young woman. She was planning her wedding. She was engaged or espoused to Joseph. They were living their life, and, and Joseph was a carpenter, and Mary's going to get married and, 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 and planning their life just like any young couple would do. And it all got messed up. Mary finds out that she's with child and and she knows, the Bible says that she's never been with a man and and then Joseph finds out that she's with child and, and the Bible says that Joseph, he had to decide what he was going to do because he knew he had not yet been with Mary and so he had to determine in his mind what was happening, what was going on and then trying to figure all that out, an angel comes to him and says, don't worry Joseph, what is what is conceived in your wife Mary is of the Holy Ghost. Don't fear. Call his name Jesus. I'm wondering if all of those things are going through Jesus' mind as he looks down and he sees, he sees his mother. You know, God sought to redeem mankind. The whole purpose of the birth of Jesus, the whole reason that Jesus came is because God sought to redeem mankind. Mankind back in the garden chose to sin, chose to rebel against God and be disobedient. And God was not willing that mankind should be eternally separated from him. And so God put a plan in action and God said that he was going to send a redeemer. And this redeemer was going to pay the, be the payment for all of mankind's sin. And mankind then because of this redeemer could be reconciled back to God. The whole purpose of Jesus' coming so that mankind could be reconciled back to God. 
Jesus, realizing this, that he had to be born, he had to pay the sin debt of this world. And as God had done at times in the past, he sought for a human being that he could use. I thought of several human beings to save the human race he sought for a man, and the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Last week or a week and a half or so ago when it rained, uh, uh, how many of you thought the flood was coming? (laughs) How many of you are glad that God said, I'll never flood the earth again? Yes, I am. Because I thought it was coming. I saw my neighbor was getting his boat out, and I thought we were in trouble here. But God, God was looking for a man. He, the Bible says that he was, he was displeased. Violence had filled the earth. And it, 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 it repented him that he even made mankind. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and God saved the human race. And Noah and his family went into that ark. And, and the human race was saved because Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. I think of I think of the man named Abram to birth a chosen people. He sought for man and he found Abraham. To deliver his people from bondage, he sought for man and he found Moses. His people were in bondage in Egypt and he raised up a, a leader named Moses and Moses led those people out of Egypt and through that Red Sea and into the wilderness. He sought for a man to deliver and he found a Moses. He sought to save his people and he found a lady by the name of Esther. He needed to lead his people. So he sought for a young shepherd boy named David to preach to his people. He sought for a prophet and he found a man named Jeremiah to prophesy to his people. He sought for a man and he found a man named Daniel who purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. And to birth a savior, he sought for one and he found a young lady named Mary. And God was able to use Mary to to birth his son. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, if you would, please. Just just back a, a few books in the Bible. Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. We're going to go to verse number 26 in this passage of Scripture. Jesus there on the cross, he looks and he sees Mary, his mother. He sees John, the disciple, and he says to, to, to John to take care of his mother. Now, it's believed by many that Joseph, the, the earthly father of Jesus, was, was not in the picture any longer. Many believe that he was probably uh, uh, died at a, at a young age there because we don't find the mention of Joseph in the Bible after Jesus was of the age of 12. We find that he, when they were together at the age of 12, when Jesus was left at the temple, that Mary and Joseph went back to find him. But then the next time we find mention uh, of Jesus' family, they're at a wedding, and we don't find the mention of Joseph at all. And from that point forward, we don't find the mention of the the, uh, 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 father Joseph. And so here at the cross, we don't find him mentioned either. We find Mary with the disciples and two of her friends named Mary. And at that point is when Jesus said to John to care for his mother. It's believed he, he had John do that because Joseph was, was not here. He was probably passed by this time. Jesus sought for his mother to be cared for. And I want to look this morning the type of, type of person Mary was. In Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26, the Bible says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. 
to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Here we find Jesus is going to be born here on this earth, and there needs to be a, a, a vessel that, he, that, that uh, God could use to birth his son, Jesus Christ. And, and so he searches out, and he finds a lady that is, is espoused or engaged here to a man named Joseph. She's getting ready to get married, and the plans are made, the preparations are made, and it's, it's time for her, her wedding to happen. And, and the Bible says this, this angel comes to her and says to her that you're highly favored among women, and you are going to have the Son of God. Could you believe that? Could you imagine that? Imagine that, having all of your plans, all of your, your uh, uh, life planned out, and, and then an angel coming to you and saying everything that you have planned is about ready to change. And the reason why it's ready to change is because God has found favor in you. I want you to see this morning that Jesus, as he looked out and he saw Mary, he saw a mother who chose to live a life so that when God needed a mother to birth a son, Mary was able to be used. You know, each and every one of us ought to be living our life so that when God is needing to use us, that we are ready and willing and able to be used. Here we find Mary. Mary has made decisions up to this point in her life and the decisions that she's made. Now, Mary isn't perfect. Mary isn't holy. There's, there is nothing supernatural about Mary. Mary is a human being that needed that for Jesus to come and to die for her sins as well. Mary had to go by way of the cross just like every other human being had to go by way of the cross. Mary needed to trust Jesus Christ as her Savior for salvation just like every other human being has to trust Jesus Christ for a Savior. But Mary was living a life that was pleasing to the Lord so that when God needed to use a young lady, God found somebody that was living a life so that God could use her. You see, she's espoused to Mary, you know, espoused to Joseph. Society doesn't always encourage moral behavior, does it? We live in a society today that, that it's pretty much moral character is out the window. I was, I met with a, a fellow by the name of Ed Sitter. He is the executive director of the Foundation for Life here in, in the Toledo area. And they deal with life from, from conception all the way to, to older in life and, and just, just caring and fighting for, for, the, for life. And he was telling me some statistics. He said this, 51% of all abortions that are done in America are, are had by girls that are 24 years old and younger. He told me those statistics. He said this, that, that the, average, the average age now where young children become sexually active is the age of 11. Age of 11. He's telling me these statistics, and, and I'm thinking in my mind, I have an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old, and a 16-year-old. The things that are promoted in this world, the things that society says is okay, the things that are, that are pushed in society is, is just because society says it's okay, it doesn't make it right. 
And we need people. We need Marys. We need young men. And we need young women that'll, that'll, that'll be born into this world and live in this society but says, I will live a life pleading to the Lord. I will live a life on biblical principles. I will live my life pleasing so that when God is looking to find someone, I want to live a life where God can use me. Here, Mary was a person lived in society that didn't always encourage moral behavior. We live in a society today that encourages multiple partners. You know, how could you, how could you know that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone unless you've been with this person? And, and, and that is so anti what God, what God has designed in his word. You know, and I hope for every single, I hope for every single child here in this church. I hope for every single teenager here in this church. I hate, I hope for every single young adult uh, that's still single here in this church. I hope that they come down to this wedding altar pure. I hope they come down to this wedding altar and the first person that they are physically with is the one that they look at and they say, I do for the rest of my life. I pray that our church, I pray that there are moms here in this church that are raising their children up, not to cave in to the pressures of society, not to cave in to what society says is okay, but to look at the word of God and say, I'm going to raise my children to be godly. I'm going to raise my children on the principles of God's word. I'm going to raise my children to be morally, morally, have morals and be morally pleasing to the Lord. That's what we need today. We need those like Mary who could have the opportunity but chose to stay right before the Lord. When Jesus looked out, he looked out and he saw a mother that was living a life so that God could use her life. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter number 2, if you would, please. Same book, just a page or two over, Luke chapter number 2. We find in verse number 48, if you turn there, Luke chapter 2, verse 48. Jesus is at the age of 12. They take this journey from home up to the temple, and it's, it's a long journey. And Mary and, Mary and Joseph, they, they leave, and they leave Jesus. Now, could you imagine leaving Jesus behind? I mean, there's only one Son of God. God's entrusted them with you. And you lost him. You can't find him. Could you imagine thinking what Mary thought? I'm in trouble. I remember when I was a kid, I was at a Toys R Us. And we were looking around. And, and I, would, I would do, I think, what most kids would do. Um, you'd, you'd try to get as far away from your parents as you possibly could, but still see them. Well, I got as far away as I could, and I found something I liked. And I looked, and they were gone. I mean, I had no idea where they were, and I looked around the store, and I couldn't find them. What I didn't realize is that my parents caught on, and they were hiding from me, <laughs> watching me. I mean, they're sick, sick people. I mean, I'm young, I'm crying. I, I'm, I'm having a breakdown right in Toys R Us, and they're, they're, they're laughing. And someone comes over and they, they ask what's wrong. And, and here I am, I'm a kid, I'm by myself, I'm in a store. And somebody actually asks, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what do you think's wrong with me? I'm lost. And they paged, they paged my parents. And my parents never came. 
I guess they were trying to teach me a lesson. And it sent some emotional scars all through it. I wouldn't recommend you do this to your children. It still hurts today to think about it. And so they paged me and they didn't come. And they paged me again and they, they didn't come. And finally, I think they paged again. I was about just, I just, I was gone. I mean, I was, I was uh, having a nervous breakdown there. I thought my parents left me. And then finally, they come walking up to the counter and they're, they're laughing. They're smiling at me. If you want to know what's wrong with me, it's my parents. <laughs> and they walked up, and I'll never forget my dad said, that'll, that'll show you not to, not to get away from us again in the store, son, won't it? And I said, it's going to teach me to go get more parents. Is what it's going to, different parents is what it's going to teach me. Crazy parents. But the whole time, I didn't realize this, but the whole time they were watching me, I was never out of their sight, even though... I thought I was lost. I was at the Detroit Zoo when I was a kid as well, and, and my uncles, they were only a few years older. My, my grandmother had children when my mom was in college, and so my uncles are just a couple years older than my sister, and my sister's just a couple years older than me, so we kind of grew up together with my uncles, and we were all the same age, close. And so, again, my parents, I don't know what they're thinking. They take and they let me go off with my uncles at Detroit Zoo. Well, my uncles, who are about our age, they did what any other teenage boys would do to their younger, younger um, nephews. They tortured us. And imagine all the ways you could torture a young kid at the zoo. And so I spent my whole day at the Detroit Zoo crying because I wasn't with my parents. I thought they left. My parents, they trusted Foolishly, they trusted my uncles. But I remember that day, and I could not wait to see my parents because I thought I was lost. Jesus here is taken to the temple. Mary and Joseph, they leave, and they get about three days' journey, and they say to each other, where's Jesus? I haven't seen him in a couple days. And they ask around, and, and everyone says, I don't know. I haven't seen him either. No, they realize he's still back at the temple. And so let's pick up reading here in verse number 48. And when they saw him, they come back to the temple, they see him. He's been there, he's been there teaching, he's been there uh, listening to what's being taught. They were amazed, the Bible said. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I might be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Listen to this. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Mary here, as she picks Jesus up, she says, Jesus, why have you done this? Don't you know for these last couple of days, your, your father and I, we've been sorrowing, we've been crying, we thought you're lost. And his answer to her was, didn't you think I'd be about my father's business? And Mary, listening to what he's saying, she takes him back and, and brings him back home. And, and the Bible says he begins to grow in favor with God and with man. And, and, and God begins to, to use him. And as a young teenage boy now, he is now getting, getting ready for his earthly ministry here. I see something here in Mary. Mary, maybe as Jesus was there on the cross and he looks out and he sees his mother, he's probably thankful for Mary living a life so that God could use her to be his mother. And also he may have seen Mary that she was willing to share her son for the purpose of God's plan unfolding. 
You find Mary not being selfish. You don't find Mary uh, uh, getting on Jesus saying, you know what? You have one father, you have one mother, and all that matters is you're obedient to me. The Bible says she kept these things in her heart. She remembered these things. You know, I remember back when Jesus was born and as the shepherds came and as they worshiped the Lord there in that manger, the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. I'm sure that Mary still remembers because if an angel came to you in the middle of the night and told you you were going to have a child, you'll never forget that. If angels come and sing at the birth of your child and shepherds come and tell about these angels, you'd never forget that. All the things that Jesus has done and the, th the experience she's had, she doesn't forget those things. You know what she's remembering? You know what she's doing? She's realizing this, that I have to share my son. I have to be willing to allow my son to do his father's work. Listen, every single one of us that have children, remember this, that God has a special plan and a design for them. God knows what's best for our children even more than we as parents think that we know. God doesn't make mistakes. Children are not an accident. They're a human being with a soul that God wants to save. And once he saves that child, God has a plan that he wants to use that child. He has something special designed. And parents need to be willing to let God use our children the way he desires to use them. We have Mary. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to let God have his way with our children, is it? It's not always easy to let God's will be accomplished because sometimes what God wants to do isn't always what we want done with our children. You know, God's going to take some children here out of this church and he's going to raise them up and he's going to send them to the far corners of the earth to be missionaries around this world and some mom's going to have to say, okay, God, I'm willing to allow that. I'm willing to go without Christmases and, and, and birthdays with my children so that they can be used of you. There's going to be children that God is going to do special things with. And it might be against what mom and dad might desire, but a mom and dad that realizes that God's plan is better than any plan that you could ever have for your child, that's the best plan. And Mary knew that was better and she'd allow God to work in the heart of her son. Listen to me, parents, don't. Don't do anything that will cause your child to want to get away from God. Live your life in such a way where your children will want your God. Live your life in such a way where your children see the power of your God, see the, the majesty of your God, see the amazement of your God, and have a desire to want to serve him with all of their life. Lastly, I need to be done here. I want you to see with me, turn to John. Turn back to John, if you would, please. John chapter number two this morning. John chapter number two. Jesus, as he looked out and he saw Mary, he saw a woman that was willing to live a life so God could use her. He saw, he saw a, a woman that was willing to share her son for the purpose of God's plan unfolding. And I want you to see, this is our last point this morning, chapter number two. Look with me in verse number one, if you would. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. 
Look what his mother says. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know, thirdly, I see this. When Jesus saw Mary, his mother, he saw a mother that believed in her son's calling and encouraged him to be faithful to it. She saw a son. She believed in her son's calling and encouraged him to do it. At this time, Jesus is now going to begin his earthly ministry. I don't know if Mary has yet seen Jesus do a miracle. This is the first recorded miracle of Jesus. I don't know if when he was young, if he did miracles in the home. I'm not sure. But I know that something about Jesus, Mary knew what he could do, and she believed in what he could do. And she encouraged Jesus to do it. Now think about that. She's here at a wedding, and Jesus doesn't just go from wedding to wedding making wine. That wasn't what he was doing. He comes here with his disciples. Mary sees a need. You know what Mary realizes? My son can meet this need. No, it's not because Jesus knew magic tricks. It's not because she thought Jesus had some kind of, 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 of strange power. She believed that Jesus was the Son of God. She believed that Jesus could make this situation uh, a bad situation. She believed that Jesus could make this better. She believed that Jesus had the power of God on his life. She believed that he could do this. She believed in her son's calling. She believed that Jesus Christ was come to seek and to save that which was lost. He, she believed that he came to do miracles here upon this earth. She knew that he was there to, to heal the sick and cause the blind to see and cause the deaf to hear. And she believed in her son. And she not only believed in it, she encouraged him to do what God has called him to do. Oh, listen to me this morning. Praise God for the moms that are the cheerleaders for their kids to go out and do what God's called them to do. Praise, praise God for the moms that encourage their kids to be godly. Praise God for the moms that encourage your kids to pray. Praise God for the moms that encourage their kids to read the Bible. Praise God for the moms that encourage their kids to walk with God. Praise God this morning for the moms that say that God has called you to a special purpose. God has called you to do great things. And I would encourage you to do it every opportunity you have. Praise God for moms like that. Praise God for moms that believe that God has a special calling on their children and encourage them to do what God has placed them here on this earth to do. There was a need here at this wedding. Mary believed that Jesus could meet this need. And she encouraged him to do it. And then she said to all those around, do whatever he says. She believed what God had called him to do. She believed in her son. And this morning as Jesus was there on the cross, as all the pain and all the agony was going through his body and through his mind, he looks out, he sees a mother. And what he sees is a lady that was willing to be used of God. He looked out and he saw a lady that was willing to share her son so that God could receive glory. And he looked out and he saw a mother that believed in what he was doing. He believed, she believed in what God placed him here on this earth to do, and she encouraged him to do it. 
Well, I pray that God raises up moms here in this church that would do the same for their children. And I pray because of that that God would send an army of young people out of this place to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sinners would be saved, would repent, and be gloriously redeemed and reconciled back to God. 